This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read came from the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter and the fourth through the seventh verse. And for emphasis, I'll read it once more. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I always am amazed at the Holy Spirit. I can tell you in all transparency that the sermon I have prepared was not discussed with anyone And it's often a joy for me to see how God has a way of bringing everything together. For even as Markham sang that song, It Is Well With Our Soul, she had no idea what I was going to be preaching about today, which has a lot to do with the soul. So here's the question. What has your soul been crying for lately? Do you know? Some of us are able to sense the soul's cry because it lets us know that something is going on in our lives that is not quite right. It is hard sometimes to know what our souls are crying for because of all the noise of our emotions and the noise that comes through our thoughts and our relationships and even from the pain that we feel in our bodies. Something is always going on in our lives that lets us know that it is not always quite well with our soul. The cries of our souls are often periods in life when we feel completely unable to do anything to help us face and deal effectively with the various circumstances and challenges in our lives. It is during these times of the soul's cry that we find it especially hard to even pray, especially hard to serve, and especially hard to give of ourselves to anything. Renowned author Dallas Willard states, and I quote, Fundamental aspects of life, such as art, sleep, sex, ritual, family, parenting, community, health, and meaningful work are all soul functions. And they fail and fall apart to the degree that the soul diminishes. He also states, when we speak of the human soul, we are speaking of the deepest level of life and power in the human being. So when the song says, 
Is it well with your soul? When, when the question is asked and you can actually declare it is well with my soul, it is speaking to the deepest, deepest part of who you are as a human being. So the question I ask, brothers and sisters, as you listen to me even now, is it well with your soul? When we think of the soul, we need to recognize that it is something incredibly important to God. And when the soul is in pain, the soul cries. The cries of our soul usually occur because something unhealthy has happened which impacts the way we feel, the way we act, the way we relate to each other, and more importantly, the way we relate to God. The pain often leads to either of two responses. Number one, you can be completely absorbed by the pain. Or number two, distracted by so many things that we stay away from the pain altogether. Either of those conditions, brothers and sisters, I am telling you, keeps your soul in a place of being unhealthy. That's why the scriptures remind us, do not forsake the fellowshipping of the believers. Because it's not just coming to the building and coming to church, but it's actually caring and healing for your soul. So what are we to do? What are we to do when our souls are in pain and when our souls cry? Well, we need to first recognize that a soul can only be healthy to the extent that it maintains a strong connection to the God that created it in the first place. So a soul that is in pain cries because it's longing for its connection with God. There are many things that will cause a soul to cry. And today I want to talk about a specific condition of the soul's cry. A condition called anxiety. Now to be clear, the presence of anxiety is a unique cry that lets us know of the soul's need for a connection to God. And the remedy for that cry is the basis for a message that I have titled today, quite simply, the peace of God. The peace of God. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you today, Lord, humbling ourselves before a holy God. And Lord, when you've said in your word that those who come to you must first believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you, we have to come correct. And so, Father, today we come and we humble ourselves before your throne. And quite simply, our souls cry today to you, our Father, the author and the finisher of our faith. We can declare to you, Lord, it is not well with our soul. It is not well with our soul. So send now, heavenly dove, your comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. As we remember this Palm Sunday, your triumphant entry into Jerusalem, send us, O oh God, that healing spirit that at the end of this message, we can declare without hesitation or apology that it is well with our soul. Bless now this word, I pray. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all the church, say amen, 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 and amen. The Apostle John, in his third book, writes, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's what the Apostle John said. And from this text alone, it is clear that our souls, yours and mine, has the capacity to prosper and the capacity to be in good health, establishing the fact that the soul can either be healthy or unhealthy. The marks of an unhealthy soul is seen when we become completely self-absorbed. When we carry shame, when we express apathy, toxic anger, physical fatigue, isolation, stronger temptation to sin, drivenness, feelings of desperation, panic, insecurity, callousness, a judgmental attitude, cynicism, a lack of desire for God, and more specifically, as it relates to our text, anxiety. Now, as I just went through that list, I am quite sure that many of you already have recognized the signs in your own lives. And the fact that you can identify it is testimony to the truth that your souls are unhealthy. These are the signs of an unhealthy soul. Now, now when the soul is unhealthy, beyond the obvious feelings of extreme personal discontent, we experience a veritable disconnect from God that is so tangible that it literally causes us to lose our peace. When you are disconnected from God with an unhealthy soul, you are walking around with the conscious knowledge that something is not right. When you have lost your peace, when things seem to be falling apart all around you, when you're not quite sure how to get back to that place where you even feel you are in some sense of equilibrium, my brothers and my sisters, what I'm telling you is that it not only is it not well with your soul, I'm saying you have lost your peace. But what exactly do we mean by peace? What exactly is peace and how do we even get it? And more importantly, how we lose it? Well, let's explore that. And let's look at peace the way the Bible talks about peace. Most of Paul's letters, if you read them in the New Testament, he begins with these words, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins his letters almost exclusively that way. Grace and peace from God and our, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in the book of Philippians, refers to the peace of God, which does what? Surpasses all understanding. So peace is a state of tranquility, of quietness of spirit that has the power to transcend all of our circumstances. The term peace is described in scripture as a gift from God and a feature that is consistent with God's character. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. 
Look at what it says in 1 Peter. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So peace, the way the Bible talks about it, is something, listen to me carefully, church, that God gives to you. It is something tangible, meaningful, something that comes from God and he gives it to you. And by being a gift, what I'm telling you, church, is that it is unrelated to your circumstances. It is a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens to you on the outside. This is why you can be in the midst of a great trial and a storm and still have biblical peace. You see, most of us, what we do is we think we have peace when we finally paid all the bills. You feel happy, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that's not peace. You may be content, but that's not peace. Sometimes we think, okay, because our kids might have gotten into the school they wanted to get into, or maybe you just got a nice check from the government, whatever the case may be, and you start to feel happy and good about yourself. My brothers and my sisters, what I'm telling you, that's not the peace that God gives. That's only tied to your circumstances. And if you live that way, then your lives end up being somewhat of a fluctuation. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. And I'm telling you, and I'm contending with you all today, that it is not well with your soul because we have tied our peace to things and stuff. When you tie yourself to things and stuff, when the stuff is there, you're fine. When the stuff is gone, your peace is gone. My brothers and my sisters, I don't believe God intended any of us to live up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't think God intended for any of us to live our lives like a stock market. Be clear, my brothers and my sisters. Peace, the way God talks about it, is something that he gives. Yeah. He gives. Paul said he could be content in any circumstance. And he demonstrated that he had peace even while he was in jail in Philippi, where he sang and remained confident that God was being gracious to him. Then when the opportunity arose, he communicated God's goodness to the Philippian jailer and brought him and his entire family and household to salvation. So the biblical concept of peace has very little to do with your circumstances. It's not something to be understood as being in the absence of trouble in your life. Because I might not have trouble in my life, I think I have peace. Brothers and sisters, I hope I'm making this clear. Trouble will come. Trouble don't last, but trouble will come. And how good and wonderful it would be that even in the midst of trouble, you can still say, it is well with my soul. What a testimony to the goodness of God. That when all hell is breaking loose around you, when everything seems to be falling apart, you can still say, it is well with my soul. It may not be working out the way I'd like it to, but it is well with my soul. I may not be able to make it through tomorrow because I can't pay my bills, but it is well with my soul. I may not be able to solve the problem with my loved ones, but it is well yeah. with my soul. Now looking at our text, Paul gives us some clue about how to get this peace, the peace that God gives. 
Let's look carefully again, beginning at verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The first clue to this biblical peace is that Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. So the first clue is, brothers and sisters, you have to learn to rejoice no matter what your circumstances might be. Mm -hmm. Any of us can sing on a good day. Mm -hmm. If your team wins, if it's your birthday and it's your birthday present is terrific, <laughs> if it doesn't rain on your vacation, then you can sing. But that kind of good circumstances singing is ordinary. Even unbelievers sing when things are going well. The extraordinary singing actually rejoices no matter what happens or what may be going on at that moment in time. Even if the heart is breaking right in the middle of the song you are singing. None of us can escape the sharp pain or crushing grief in some life or circumstances that cause us tremendous pain. Any of us can even in that hour, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can find the capacity to rejoice. To put it simply, anyone's faith can work on a good day. But when the chips are down, then you'll know whether or not your faith is the real deal. So rejoice. But how do you rejoice when things around you are literally falling apart? Pastor, those are nice words. How do I actually shift to rejoice? Well... I'm telling you, you cannot do it in your own strength. If you think that you are strong enough to rejoice in the midst of some unimaginable tragedy in your life, you are gravely mistaken. But the Bible tells me that there is an advocate. The Bible tells me that there is a comforter. That even in the midnight hour when sleep escapes you, you can still say it is well with my soul because you are leaning on his everlasting arms you are only able to rejoice in the midst of challenging circumstances if you are secure in your foundation and your faith in Christ and Christ alone the second thing Paul says is to draw near to God so the first thing is to rejoice with the help of the Holy Spirit the second thing draw near to God. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the closer we draw to God, the more of his peace we can enjoy. And God gives us clear instructions about how to draw near to him in the 24th Psalm. Here's what it says. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. But scripture is also clear that we cannot make ourselves clean enough to come into the presence of a holy God. So how do we draw near enough to experience God's peace when he requires clean hands and a pure heart. And this is not something that we have because we have unhealthy souls. How do we do this, pastor? Well, here is the clue. 
Jesus said in John, the 14th chapter and the 27th verse, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We come into the presence of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we allow Jesus' death and his resurrection to purchase our forgiveness from God, we are counted as righteous and our sins are forgiven because Jesus already paid the cost. Only then can we have peace. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm telling you. Your hearts are not clean. Your hearts are not pure. But when you, pull, when you call on the name of Jesus, he then makes you righteous in the eyes of God. And then he gives you that peace. Why? Because when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your pain. He doesn't see your bad days. He doesn't see even your good days. He doesn't see when you're up. He doesn't see when you're down. He only sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he sees his son shining through, no matter what your circumstances are, the Bible tells me, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it. The world gives you peace, but it's only fleeting. But when God gives you his peace, he counts you as righteous. And it is something that the world cannot take away. Something that the devil cannot take away. Why? Because they did not give it to you in the first place. The peace of God is always about being in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there is no anger, there is no envy, there is no jealousy, there is no anxiety. In the presence of God, there is only light. And the Bible tells me there is no fellowship between light and darkness. So when you are struggling and you are fighting, you are not fighting a peace that God has given to you. You have your heart and your mind set on something that only the world gives. Are you hearing me, church? We fall outside of God's favor and protection, but when we recognize it, that is the moment to repent quickly and get back into God's presence. The only thing that can get us back into God's presence is to admit our sin, repent, and ask for forgiveness. You cannot rise above the level of darkness in your soul by yourself. So, you want the peace of God. The Bible says, rejoice with Christ. The Bible says, draw near with Christ. That's the second step. Third and finally, we have to denounce anxiety. The text says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's what the text says, right? That's what the text says. Be anxious 
for nothing. Well, now, this is not nearly as complicated as sometimes many of us as preachers make this out to be. If you're anxious about an issue, it can cause you to lose your peace. It is just that simple. If you are anxious about something, it will cause you and can cause you to lose your peace. One of the main reasons why many of us deal with anxiety in our lives is because we worry about something that has not yet happened. Anxiety as an emotion, anxiety as a feeling is always, hear me church, always forward looking. Every time you have anxiety, it's always about something that you are anticipating could happen. And the truth is, many of the times when we are worrying about something that could happen, it does not happen. Check your history. Think about it. You worry about, oh, is this going to work out? And you spend sleepless nights worrying about if this is going to work out. Then it works out. And you're sitting there like, well, thank you. Where is your faith in the God you say controls everything and is sovereign? Either God is sovereign or he is not. But if he is, he has everything. And remember what I tell you, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Don't tie your peace to stuff. Don't tie your peace to events. Don't tie your peace to circumstances. Because when those things appear to be falling apart, there goes your peace. All anxiety can be traced right back to the things that you have been thinking about. If you'd like to stop being anxious, <laughs> I don't know if I can make this any more plainer. If you'd like to stop being anxious, you have to intentionally stop thinking about the things you have been thinking about. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? <laughs> now, your laughter is wonderful because it is an expression of your guilt. <laughs> you know, you know, and it sounds almost silly, right? If you are anxious about something, it's because you're thinking about something that has not yet happened. And what I'm telling you is to stop thinking about the things you have been thinking about if you want your anxiety to go away. Because anxiety, and I just coined this, is a peace stealer. Anxiety is a peace stealer. It comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Therefore, it's coming with ill intent. The thing, to, though, about anxiety that I always want everyone to understand, sometimes when you are thinking about something that has not yet happened, it can cause you to become so debilitated that you feel stuck and you panic and you worry about things that have not yet happened. It is a joy and a peace stealer. But the thing that is worse about anxiety is that when it comes and it takes up root in your soul, it makes you want to isolate 
yourself. To pull yourselves out of the very community that is good for your soul. The very thing that will help you, it pulls you out of it. So when you feel like pulling yourself away from the community and the family of God, what I'm telling you is that you are working against your best interest. The Bible says, where two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus is in the midst. And if Jesus is in the midst, where two or more are gathered, guess what he brings with him? Peace. He brings peace. So when you're not here in fellowship with other believers who by their presence brings the presence of Jesus in the midst who comes with his peace, the peace that he gives, not as the world gives it. When you pull yourself out of that in isolation, thinking you can do this on your own, that anxiety has all right to steal your peace. The Bible tells us that Jesus was not only fully God, but also fully man. Jesus experienced everything that you and I have ever gone through or will ever go through in our lives. And I'm reminded today as we think about his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and what lay ahead of him. As much as everyone was laying down their palms before him, he was getting ready to lay down his heart for them. And as he came into Jerusalem, Jesus knew what awaited him, even in the midst of the wonderful celebration. What awaited him was the cross. And so, on Thursday night, in a garden called Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, pray with me. And he went away, a little bit away. And the Bible tells us that he was so, well, he he literally asked the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And the Bible tells us that his sweat was like drops of blood. You talk about an anxiety attack. You think until you start sweating like drops of blood, you have no idea. What a real panic attack is. Now, I'm not diminishing yours when you have them. What I'm telling you is that think of your anxious feelings of anxiety and pressure and panic and multiply that 10 times. That was Jesus in the garden. But here is the part that I want you all to see. As Jesus was wrestling with what was to come three times, Jesus went back to his disciples and said, what are y'all doing? Sleeping. Couldn't you all pray with me just for one hour? In other words, don't you know that right now, in my most desperate time, I need my community. I need this. Listen, it was was like Jesus was saying, I need noonday prayer. What are you doing, saints? I need noonday prayer right now. And you have left me all by myself. Gethsemane is a reminder to all of us that even the Lord Jesus Christ, as he faced the pending crucifixion, 
as anxiety was trying to steal his peace, the Lord Jesus Christ himself cried out for his community. When you are struggling and suffering, do not suffer in silence or alone. Cry out to the community that has been designed and established for you. It's why the Reverend Ken Scheider prayed today for the saints, right? Even in the midst of his own Gethsemane, as he shared with his mother, he prayed for the saints. Why? Because it's the community that will rally around each and every one of us. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself will come and tabernacle with all of us as we walk towards our own cross. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think on these things. And then the God of peace will be with you. How many anxious thoughts about rumors that aren't true have ruined otherwise perfectly good days? The answer to anxiety is always the peace of God. And Paul tells us how to get it, which is to think only on these things. If it is noble, think on it. If it is right, think on it. If it is pure, think on it. If it is lovely, think on it. If it is admirable, think on it. If it is excellent, think on it. If it is praiseworthy, think on it. And the God of peace will give you the peace that surpasses all, all understanding. As I close, there are a lot of things in life that don't work the way we want them to. This is a dark, sinful, and disappointing world. It is even grievous to God himself. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. This world isn't working the way God designed it in the first place. God grieves when people are abused, when people are raped, murdered, and abandoned. He grieves when children are trafficked, when children are aborted. He grieves when children are neglected. He grieves. Now again, I'm not judging anyone. What I'm telling you is that sin exists in every one of our lives in all the various forms. You can think about it. Even holding on to your anger grieves the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holding on to unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. And when all of these things are happening in your life, what I'm telling you is quite simply that it is not well with your soul. God grieves over wars and rumors of wars. God grieves over injustice, 
senseless killings, poverty, gender bias, and racism. God grieves over broken marriages, domestic violence, and financial ruin. God grieves over all of this. On this side of heaven, everything is not working the way that God or even we would like it to. But the believer who places his or her full confidence in a loving God and is thankful and grateful in every circumstance will possess God's supernatural peace. That's what I'm trying to tell you, is that whatever you think peace is in your life, what God has for you as peace surpasses anything you can even understand or comprehend. We can't figure God out, but God knows that there is a place that you and I need to be in our souls. And he wants to take you there. He wants to bring you to that place where you can know him, not just in the pardoning of your sin, but to know him that no matter what you face in life, he will see you through. Peace of God comes from being in a right relationship with him. No amount of work, no amount of giving, no amount of money, no amount of things you can do in the church is going to give you the peace that only God gives. Amen. His peace he gives to us, not as the world gives. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you have to search your own soul and look at what your souls are crying for. And once you understand that, listen, my soul is unhealthy, then I'm telling you, repent. Admit that you need the Lord. Get into the community of faith. And God himself will give you that peace that you seek. When I'm at peace with God, I should be walking with peace in this world, no matter what I see. This is not to say that none of us will have, won't have our own share of problems. And sometimes we will end up even having more difficulties than everybody else. Spiritual warfare is a reality. And it is happening all around us. But because we are God's children and his spirit comforts us and it guides us, we can be at peace no matter what the circumstances. So, as maturing believers, when we are seeking after God's plan for our lives, we must also be sensitive to when the Spirit of God wants us to move. And that kind of sensitivity which says, no, don't do that. The kind of sensitivity that says, stop, wait. That kind of sensitivity to the move of the Spirit is, me, is God's presence in your life that will guarantee that even when things are falling apart, you can still have God's peace. Because sometimes God takes us through adversity just to be able to give us the opportunity to get to know him even better. And the closer you get to God when you are suffering for righteousness sake is the greatest opportunity you will have to experience the peace of God. Not as the world gives it.
but as the Lord Jesus Christ himself gives it. So if you are in need of God's peace beyond this moment, if today you decide, I need the peace of God, the biblical peace of God, not as the world gives it. I want the peace that surpasses all understanding, that I can't even comprehend it, but I know it when I have it. Well, the only way that you can experience that peace is if you're willing to go to your Gethsemane and to make your way to your cross. The place where you die to pride, to self-absorption, to everything that you think is good for you and only you, where you don't care too much about whether or not the next person is okay, kill that spirit. When you're holding on to the unforgiveness in your heart because someone did something you didn't like, not realizing that you did 10 more that they didn't like, I'm telling you that place is the place you need to go and to kill that spirit. The place where anxiety says, I am in control of everything and I'm gonna manage my own affairs my own way because I have a control issue, kill that spirit. The place where everyone comes to you with something and you have an answer for everything because you are high-minded when the scriptures tell us you're not, you ought not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, kill that spirit. Because when that spirit of anxiety and self-mindedness comes, then the God of peace will give you all permission to do it your way. And I guarantee you, you will never know his peace. So, if you want the peace of God, then what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is that you first need peace with God. If you want the peace of God, then first get peace with God. And the God of peace himself will sanctify you and give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. And he will guard your heart, your souls, and your mind. That you can walk through any fire and say, it is well Amen. with my soul. Amen. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. Like a river, a